And welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Future Brew right here on AmazingBrew.com. My name is Vaughn Lozon. Wanted to get John Simmons back for this podcast. Uh, this is going to be a big one, but he is down and out. He is a little under the weather. Wish him well. Hopefully, we can get him back next week, uh, get him back on the podcast uh, for some more recruiting talk with the early signing period coming up really quickly. Things are starting to happen for the Maize and Blue, and it all started this weekend with that big win against Ohio State. It, it cannot be stated enough how big of a game that was, not only just for the program, currently Jim Harbaugh, the players, turning the culture and program around, getting to the Big Ten championship game for the first time ever, but also on the recruiting trail. This is immensely helping already on the recruiting trail 2022 and 2023 and even beyond with that. But we're going to stick with those two recruiting classes today. We have a lot to break down. So I'm just going to jump right in. We're going to go kind of quick here because (laughs) there is literally so much to discuss. So if if I fly through this and you guys have questions or anything, hit me up on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon, leave a comment in this uh, post for the podcast, do whatever you got to do. Get at me somehow. If you have any questions, I apologize if I roll through really, really quickly. Uh, But that is just what we are up against this week. So let's just start off because there was a commitment to the maize and blue over the weekend after that Ohio state win. And it is in the 23 class. So he's a junior. So he's not going to be an early enrollee this year. He's, he's going to sign next December, December of 22. His name is Joel Starlings, and he is a big boy along the defensive line. He's listed at 6'5", 310 pounds. He's from Richmond, Virginia, and he is the number 216 overall player on the composite right now, number 34 defensive lineman. It's funny because coming into this game into this visit he was uh number 197 so he dipped a good good 20 spots or so um after he committed so i i just i find that funny sometimes it's just the complete opposite this time it just so happens to be he fell in the rankings a little bit uh sean newell was all over this recruitment right from the get-go uh he picked michigan over a lot of other really good offers he had georgia florida state michigan state Oregon, Penn State, Texas A&M, just a ton of other schools wanting his services. And he declared uh, a very early verbal pledge to the Michigan Wolverines. They offered him back in August. So it really didn't take super long for them to get him in the fold, get him comfortable enough with the coaching staff, with the atmosphere, everything with uh, Ann Arbor, with the school, the football program. Uh, it was very clear that Michigan was his number one after this visit. Numerous articles were written on 24-7 on the On3 network about how much fun and how good a vibe he had and felt uh, with the Michigan faithful Jim Harbaugh, Sean Nua, all those guys. They really all pitched in, made him feel welcome. So he is now in the fold in the 2023 class And uh, things are starting to develop here in this 23 class. He is the second commitment, uh, the first commitment uh, coming just a few days before he did with uh, the kicker from uh, Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Adam Samaha. 
uh, one of the top-ranked kickers in the 2023 class. So Michigan offered him a scholarship as well back in August, and he committed on November 25th. So you've got your kicker <laughs> in the class, which is uh, you know always a good thing. You'd certainly want to get those positions uh, in the mix there if you feel comfortable enough to offer a specialist, which uh, a- as they have been doing in the state of Michigan with uh, Jake Moody and Quinn Nordine before him, uh, getting him in the fold. And now you have Joel Starlings in the 2023 class as well. So you've got two commitments at this very moment. Crystal balls are rolling in for Samaj Morgan as well, the four-star wide receiver from West Bloomfield. So we'll see if anything comes quickly from that one. Uh, I believe he was also on hand for the win over the Buckeyes this past weekend. So lots going on, even in the junior class, which uh, I didn't really expect a whole lot to develop this quickly because things are going really, really fast. And (laughs) I wouldn't be shocked if by the time this podcast gets posted, uh, things are even further developing here. So uh, we're going to keep our eyes close to the 23 class, but we're going to move on really quickly to the 2022 guys that I feel are really being impacted very quickly with this win that Michigan had over the weekend over Ohio state. We're just going to start with Zeke Barry because he has announced on Twitter that he is going to be announcing his commitment on this Friday, uh, December 3rd. And uh, the finalists, it looks to be really just Michigan, Oregon. You could probably throw USC in there with the addition of Lincoln Riley. And we'll talk more about that a little later too, because wow. Um, but Zeke Barry, he is a four-star prospect in this 2022 class from the state of California, plays for De La Salle High School, very well-respected high school in California and a high school that Michigan is very fond and familiar with, has some very good bonds there. 100% of the crystal balls for Zeke Barry are on the Michigan Wolverines right now. So things are looking really good. Steve Wiltfong, Brandon Huffman, uh, one of the 24-7 sports writers on the West Coast, have a confidence level of eight. And uh, as does Sam Webb and all of the other confidence levels in these crystal balls are set at seven. So you got to imagine that Michigan is in pole position to land Zeke Barry at this very moment. Uh, he is ranked 227 on the composite. 24-7 themselves has him ranked 63 overall. So they're very fond of Zeke Barry. And I know that my guy, EJ Holland from the Wolverine and the on three network. He's very high on Zeke Barry as well. Um, said that he is his favorite defensive prospect or defensive back prospect. I should say outside of Will Johnson that Michigan is targeting or has committed in this 22 class. So that's some really high praise and uh, coming off this visit to get all these crystal balls for Zeke Barry. You got to imagine that Michigan's going to land him on Friday. Things are looking really good. And at that point, you focus all of your attention in the defensive backfield to Domani Jackson, who we'll talk about now, because he was also in Ann Arbor, obviously, this weekend. And uh, from this article that uh, Sam Webb had on the Michigan Insider, uh, it did an interview with both him and Will Johnson at the same time. And 
it, to say that this was a, a positive thing for for Domani Jackson is putting it lightly because it really seems like he not only had a good time, but he admitted that he was not expecting Michigan to win this game. He he was shocked. He did not think uh, the Buckeyes would walk out of Ann Arbor with a loss, did not think the Buckeyes were going to walk out of Ann Arbor with their playoff hopes diminished, but that is exactly what happened. And he said that uh, uh, this is a quote from Sam Webb uh, or from Jackson uh, told Sam Webb, honestly, I didn't think they could pull it off if I was being truthful, but they did. They locked in and dialed in. And he was especially very intrigued and impressed with the way that the defensive backs handled the three headed monster of Ohio state's wide receivers with Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and of course, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, yeah, the defensive backs played really well. Vincent Gray, I thought had a very great performance against Ohio state DJ Turner, uh, despite being the one that uh, gave up that insane catch to Jackson Smith and Jigba thought he played very well. Vincent Gray also got mossed by Garrett Wilson, but outside of those two plays, I thought they performed incredibly well. Thought Daxton Hill played very well. So he was very impressed with the defensive backs, the way that they performed against those future NFL receivers. I mean, let's just be honest. They are future NFL receivers is Jackson Smith and Jigba still having another season uh, at Ohio state left. He's just a sophomore. So uh, Michigan will have to go up against him one more time, but he will be playing on Sundays at some point uh, next year, or, or I should say in the near future uh, in a couple of years there. So yeah, uh, to say that uh, this visit blew Domani Jackson away, I, I don't think that is hyperbolic by any means. He had a good time uh, with not only just seeing the victory, but being with his good friend, Will Johnson. Uh, they have been buddy-buddy this entire recruiting cycle. And Will Johnson obviously playing a big role in keeping him interested in Michigan. Now, obviously, Domani's always been interested in Michigan. He admitted several times the Wolverines were his team growing up his uh, dream school being the university of Michigan. And he even admitted that he uh, silently committed uh, at one point last year, but then uh, I guess silently reopened his recruitment and then uh, publicly committed to USC, obviously decommitted just a few weeks ago, reopened everything and is now considering Michigan, Alabama, and I guess still USC. We'll see how things shake out with Lincoln Riley and if he retains Dante Williams, who is uh, Domani Jackson's main recruiter at USC. So I'm really going to be interested in how all of that shakes out because we are getting really, really close to the early signing period. You would imagine that Lincoln Riley will have things uh, settled in the next week or so uh, with his assistant coaching staff, especially with the um, future of Dante Williams, uh, I would imagine at the very least that will be determined by the time early signing day comes, because I think Lincoln Riley kind of knows what he's up against. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see if this game and the way that Michigan pitched the NIL to him to see if that's going to be enough to overcome uh, not only just Alabama and what 
all they have to offer, which for a defensive back and a five-star defensive back like Domani is quite a bit. Uh, So we'll see if it's enough to overcome that and to overcome what USC has to offer with uh, Lincoln Riley, with uh, Dante Williams. If he sticks around uh, with the staying home aspect of things, uh, which was something that he was very prideful of uh, before he decommitted, uh, still might be uh, very uh, looking forward to something like that if he chooses to go to USC. So uh, this is going to be down to the wire, to say the least. He is going to make his decision on the first day of the early signing period, that uh, third Wednesday in December, which happens to be uh, December 15th. It's going to be one of those you wake up in the morning and you kind of just sit by your computer, you update Twitter, you keep refreshing mazeandbrew.com because you love <laughs> coming to Maze and Brew for all your recruiting stuff. I love National Signing Day in the early signing period, and we love covering it. So we hope that we can have your eyeballs locked on mazeandbrew.com for that because it is going to be a wild day, to say the least. And another reason for that could be because a Clemson commit ended up visiting Ann Arbor and the Michigan Wolverines might be the favorite now. And that's Keon Sab, who we really have not talked about at all on this podcast or on Maze and Brew for quite some time because he committed to Clemson. Everything was locked in. Everything was good. Um, it, it was just settled. We didn't talk about it because of that. Clemson has a very strict policy with their recruits that Dabo Sweeney, for whatever reason, and I hate this policy for the recruits because I'm, I am very pro recruit, pro kid, pro high schooler that wants to make up his mind and make his own decision. This policy that Dabo has at Clemson If you are committed to the Clemson Tigers, you cannot visit another school. If you do, then at that point, you are forced to decommit. Now, last cycle, uh, if you recall, there was a five-star defensive back, uh, Corey Foreman, I believe his name was, or I'm sorry, not defensive back, defensive lineman, five-star defensive lineman, Corey Foreman. He was committed to Clemson, wanted to go visit other schools. Dabo said, well, you're going to have to reopen your recruitment then. He ended up doing that. And guess what? Clemson lost him entirely. He ended up signing with USC. So it's just an awful policy. It's just, I I understand the premise of it, but again, I'm pro-recruit. Anyhow, Keon Sab being a Clemson commit, ended up visiting Ann Arbor this weekend You would imagine that he's probably going to be forced to decommit or at the very least, Dabo probably gave him a strict talking to. So he was in Ann Arbor with all the other high profile prospects, and he was able to see a practice uh, the day before the game. So he was at a practice uh, getting everything uh, up close and personal, being able to connect with uh, Ron Bellamy, excuse me. A little mini hiccup there. Connect with Ron Bellamy. Connect with Jim Harbaugh. I would imagine Steve Klinkscale was in on this one too because he is just one of those guys that you want recruiting for you. He is an elite recruiter. So he was in Ann Arbor 
saw all of this happen. He also talked with the Michigan Insider, said that people were recognizing him and uh, wanting him to commit to Michigan and that this game was uh, the craziest game that he's ever been to because the atmosphere was crazy and the weather, it was snowing. It was just something that you see uh, in a book or in a movie, something like that. And uh, he, he had mentioned how he came to support his guys, Brad Hawkins and RJ Moten, who are both safeties and both from the state of New Jersey. And even though Keon Sab plays at IMG Academy in Florida, he also is from the state of New Jersey and Michigan has been recruiting him since leaving New Jersey for IMG. And they've been recruiting him for a very, very, very long time. He's just one of those guys that they identified very early, kept going with him and have kept the recruitment going, even though he has been committed to Clemson since the summer. So with all that said, uh, Steve Wiltfong from uh, 24 seven, the director of recruiting, he put in a crystal ball for Michigan. And it's sounding like things are going in a positive direction with this one as well. Things are locked in, but with the early signing period coming really, really quick, I think we're going to know sooner rather than later if he ends up flipping. If I were a betting man, I think he flips too. That's just my intuition, I guess. It's just the feeling that I have at this very moment. I, I don't think you visit a school for no reason if you're committed to another school. And I feel similarly about Cody Jones, who is committed to Michigan right now, another defensive back prospect, but he's kind of been visiting some other schools. He's visited Illinois. He's visited Tennessee, very receptive to Tennessee, which is the in-state school for him. So I feel very similarly about Cody Jones being receptive to these other schools like I do with Keon Sab being receptive to Michigan. Wouldn't be shocked if Keon Sab flips. Honestly, wouldn't be shocked if Cody Jones flips. I don't have any intel on that. That's just my opinion. That is how I am feeling right now. So that's another one that I wanted to talk about, Keon Sab. I, I think Michigan's in really good position with him. He's not five-star like he was in the summer. When he committed to Clemson, he is still a top 100 talent, though. Still a guy that you take 100% no matter what. He is a great talent in this 22 class. I really like him a lot. He, he's a great, great player. So things are looking good there. Things are, <laughs> things are kind of looking good, period. Things are looking good everywhere. You can't really go wrong with the atmosphere like what the big house had and uh, put the spanking on Ohio state, like they did on Saturday and not get these results on the recruiting trail. It, it would have been impossible for that to happen. So those are just a couple guys that I wanted to mention. And uh, I, I think they are in a very good position with all those guys. Um, maybe Domani being the one that is the biggest question mark, but again, we're going to know very, very soon whether he joins the fold goes to Alabama, sticks with USC at the end of the day. I'm really intrigued to see how all this pans out. So those were just a few guys I wanted to talk about in the 22 class. On the flip side of the break, because we're going to take a quick break right now, we are going to talk about the impact of Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame and the impact of Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC. 
Uh, so stick around for that. We will be right back. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Future Brew. Thanks for sticking around. We are going to wrap up the podcast today. Like I mentioned, talking about Brian Kelly, the well, I I was about to say something really, really mean. Glad I caught myself. Um, <laughs> you can probably imagine what I was going to call him just now. He's a guy that even though he coached at my alma mater, Central Michigan, at one point, uh, I don't like the guy. He's he's just not a good dude. Uh, Trevor Woods had tweeted out <laughs> something interesting about him. I, I'm not going to talk about it. Go, go to Trevor's Twitter account if you want to see what he had to say about Brian Kelly. It wasn't good. Brian Kelly's not a good dude. So for that reason, for the reason of him not being a good dude, he ends up leaving Notre Dame uh, about a day or two after he said he wasn't going to leave Notre Dame uh, for LSU. So he is now the new coach of LSU taking over for uh, Coach O. God bless him. God, I'm going to miss Coach O and all his one-liners. It's going to be He's going to be missed sorely. So Brian Kelly is now, uh, at least for the next 10 years, under contract at least, uh, the head coach of LSU. Now, literally, I was stunned by this, truly. I I was absolutely dumbfounded that he ended up going to LSU, leaving the amazing recruiting class that Notre Dame has, ranked number four overall. They have a ton of good players in this class. So it's probably time for Michigan to call a few of these guys because they are some top talent. Got a couple top 100 guys, got even more uh, top 200 guys, and a few of them that they were recruiting before they committed to Notre Dame. And the first name that I thought of was Joshua Burnham, who is a four-star linebacker. From the state of Michigan, he is all the way up in Traverse City. Beautiful place. If you've never been to Traverse City, I highly recommend it at some point. So he's from Traverse City, ranked 117 on the composite, number two in the state of Michigan. He's 6'4", 225. He's a linebacker. Would fit in perfectly in Mike McDonald's defense. And Michigan was recruiting him very hard. And I mean very hard before he committed to Notre Dame back in March. So my, my, again, my opinion, my, the feeling that I have right now is that Michigan, if they haven't already picked up the phone for him, they should pick up the phone and call him. But my personal feeling is that if defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman is named the head coach or just stays defensive coordinator. I don't really see that happening because Brian Kelly is trying to poach him to be the DC in LSU. If Marcus Freeman stays at Notre Dame, I would anticipate him staying. I would anticipate Josh Burnham staying a Notre Dame commit, ending up signing during the early signing period, locking it in, calling it a day. Now, If Marcus Freeman does go to LSU or for whatever reason doesn't get retained, which again, I don't see that happening. He is a really good coach, a really good recruiter. I think, 
I, I think he might consider it. Now, it seems like he's very, very locked into Notre Dame. So it's hard to get a real good grasp of how receptive he's going to be. But if Notre Dame were smart, they would probably want to lock in Marcus Freeman pretty quick to their head coaching gig, uh, even though they've opened up this national search for whatever reason with, you know, Notre Dame being the uh, stand up model, good Catholics that they are trying to do things the right way by the book. Um, seems like they're just kind of wasting their time. They should just, if I were them, get Marcus Freeman signed, sealed, delivered, keep your recruiting class, probably mostly the same. I'm sure you'll have like a D commitment or two or a few because of this and keep one of your top defensive players in Joshua Burnham in this class. That's what I would do if I were the athletic director at Notre Dame. So this is really going to depend on if Marcus Freeman stays. I think Michigan should pick up the phone and call him anyways. Now, another guy that you're probably like, Vaughn, why didn't you think of this guy first? A Maureen Walker, three-star wide receiver. Michigan's been recruiting him for months now, which, yes, they have. But Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame has nothing to do with the recruitment and probably eventual decommitment of Notre Dame of Amorian Walker. Now, Michigan has been trending for him for a really long time. He visited Michigan for the game against Washington, had glowing reviews of his visit and the game. Clearly, they they beat the piss out of Washington. Uh, He wanted to visit Michigan again for the game against Ohio state this past Saturday, wasn't able to because of his high school playoffs, which rightfully so. I mean, he's on a really good high school team uh, in the state of Louisiana. So he had other obligations. He wasn't able to make it up, but the fact that he even wanted to take an unofficial visit at this point in the season, because he already took his official back in September, he would have paid for it on his own dime to come to Michigan see this game, see the other recruits, the other commits, spend time with the coaching staff. This is a place he's already visited. He's already seen everything he could possibly see. He wanted to do that willingly. If his high school was eliminated from the playoffs, he would have. That's very telling to me. I think he's going to eventually flip. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be a national signing day thing or early signing period thing or not, but this is very telling to me that this Michigan interest that he has, he may as well already be decommitted from Notre Dame. So again, Brian Kelly's departure from Notre Dame has nothing to do with Amorian Walker's recruitment at all. But a couple other guys definitely could. Uh, The one that I want to really, really highlight here, because it is a dire position of need, is Tobias Merriweather. He is a wide receiver, much like Maureen Walker. So if if Michigan could poach two wide receivers from Notre Dame's class, I would be ecstatic about that because they have some really, really good talent at the wide receiver position in this class. It's insane. They've got Walker. They've got 
Merriweather, who is ranked 125 on the composite. And they have C.J. Williams, who Michigan did recruit at one point for a little bit. He's from Matter Day in California, ranked 75th on the composite. He's 6'2", 193, C.J. Williams is. Tobias Merriweather is 6'4", 185. And then all of that combined with Amorian Walker, who's 6'4", 175. I mean, come on. You can't really get much better than that at the receiver position in any class, uh, let alone one one class. So they've got some killer talent at the receiver positions. But Tobias Merriweather, we'll highlight real quick here because, uh, again, 6'4", 185. Michigan offered him back in June which was two months before he ended up committing to Notre Dame. So he's been verbally locked into Notre Dame throughout the entire football season. But the one thing that I noticed when I went to Tobias Merriweather's Twitter account, and I'll go back there again just to see if uh, this is if this still holds true, but I went to his Twitter account earlier today. And he is one of his most recently liked tweets, or I guess at the time it was his most recently liked tweet was uh, a tweet by uh, Steve Klinkscale. And it was something along the lines of, uh, you know, one and oh, like we, we like being one and oh. Um, so it, it's uh, it is not not recently liked. I think there are a few other ones that I, he still liked the tweet, but there are a few other ones at this very moment. Uh, a lot of tweets from Notre Dame commits saying that they want Marcus Freeman to be their head coach. So that's kind of the route that he is going uh, with his <laughs> most recently liked tweets at this time. So again, I wouldn't be shocked if he were at least a little receptive to Michigan if they call them, which I think they definitely should. Um, but we will just see and wait uh, because Michigan really needs another receiver in this class to pair up with Tyler Morris. The final recruit we'll talk about real quick is Ashton Craig, who Michigan also offered back in June. He is a six foot five, 283 pound offensive lineman. So he very versatile with that, uh, that frame at six, five, 283. So he uh, actually got his offer from Michigan in a camp setting. He was camping in front of the coaching staff back over the summer, kind of like how Aaron Alexander ended up getting his, Jaden Denigal ended up getting his. Very similar story with Ashton Craig. So he ended up taking an unofficial visit to Michigan for Victor's weekend, which if you remember this, this was the big recruiting weekend back in June with all of the top prospects uh, at the time on uh, Michigan's target board for the 2022 class. So he visited for that weekend, showed that he was interested in Michigan, really, really showed that Sharon Moore and the Wolverines were interested in him. So it was just a couple weeks after getting the offer that he ended up visiting. So uh, very interested in Michigan at that time. He even changed his visit plans to come to Michigan to take that visit. So uh, he was a top target of Michigan's for sure uh, before he ended up making his commitment to Notre Dame. So if I'm Sharon Moore, this is one of the first guys I call. If you were uh, going all out for him, put him at the top of your uh, board uh, along the off- offensive line 
for this 22 class. I would imagine that Michigan's at the very least thinking about it. They should call them. They should call damn near all these guys at this point, but he is another prospect that uh, I think Michigan should go after with uh, Brian Kelly departing from Notre Dame. Now, when it comes to all of this, I would say, don't get your hopes up whatsoever. In fact, I would just say, don't get your hopes up for recruiting period, because that's just, you're bound to have your heart broken. Recruiting is wild. It's not for the faint of heart. And uh, so don't get your hopes up with any of this. But uh, I, I guess remain optimistic. So with all of that, when it comes to Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC, I really don't see this having too big of an impact uh, in regards to Michigan at the very least. I would imagine that a lot of these guys are going to end up, or, or I, I should specify, a lot of these Oklahoma commits are going to end up following him to USC if they haven't done so already. I saw that they ended up getting uh, Malachi Nelson to commit to USC. He's a five-star quarterback in the 23 class. That was incredibly expected. So it did not expect Michigan to go after him or really a lot of these guys. I would expect USC to really start flourishing on the recruiting trail, which uh, is going to give Courtney Morgan and the Wolverines some uh, long-anticipated some battles on the recruiting trail, some competition long anticipated competition on the recruiting trail will be coming in the state of California and out West. Now that USC has Lincoln Riley, he is one of the premier recruiters, not only just in the big 12, now in the PAC 12, but throughout the entire country, he is a grinder on the trail. People love Lincoln Riley, rightfully so he busts his ass and he does a really good job. He, just sweeps the uh, the Big 12 area in recruiting. I would expect the state of California to um, be a little bit tougher for Michigan to recruit moving forward. So Courtney Morgan, the Wolverines, they've got their hands full out West. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how quickly USC is able to turn things around on the recruiting trail because they've really dipped over the last few years with Clay Helton. And um, I, I just don't really see it happening. I, I don't think they're going to have the um, the failures on the recruiting trail now that they have Lincoln Riley that they did with Clay Helton. Clay Helton wasn't really much of a recruiter. Lincoln Riley is, in my opinion, at least a top five recruiter out there. If not the number one, he's very close to the top, if not at the top. So it's going to be interesting. It it is going to be a battle for some of these guys. Now, I don't really see it impacting Domani Jackson's recruitment all that much. That one is very dependent on Dante Williams, who we've talked about ad nauseum at this point. So I wouldn't worry about Lincoln Riley going to USC as a detriment to Michigan in that regard. I really believe that it comes down to Dante Williams and that it will come down to what he ends up doing with, uh, or what he ends up wanting to do with uh, his NIL game. And if he wants to go to Bama for that, does he want to come to Michigan and ball out with Will Johnson, his buddy, and some of these other top prospects? 
Maybe if you get Keon Sab on board, get Zeke Barry on board, maybe that kind of inches him a little closer to Ann Arbor. We'll see. But yeah, lots happening, guys. There is a lot happening on the recruiting trail after Michigan beat Ohio State this past weekend. I'm really excited to talk more about it with John Simmons next week because I want to get his thoughts and opinions. And I'm sure a lot more will develop by the time that comes. But really excited to get him back. Genuinely hope he's able to podcast with me next week because um, not only would that mean that he is healthy, uh, he's he's battling a bug uh, of some sort. Hope he's hope he's doing okay, but uh, really, really interested to see what he has to say. So we'll see. We'll we'll see if we're able to get him back. Genuinely hope he's okay, doing, uh, staying healthy, getting better, and uh, hope you guys are all doing the same as well. That's gonna wrap it up for today. Really appreciate you tuning in, especially with it just being me again for the second week in a row. <laughs> hope you're not getting sick of. Hearing me uh, and only me. Now, hopefully we can change that next week. But until then, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. Follow Maze and Brew on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Our YouTube channel is flourishing over 5,000 subscribers now. We greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much. That has been our in-season goal since Steven Osentoski was here. He set that goal. He has accomplished that goal. We have accomplished that goal, and that is all because of you guys. It is so greatly appreciated. So if you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel now, I strongly recommend you do. You will see the Blue by 90 podcast on there before it gets published on our site, and you will see a few other interviews coming pretty soon too uh, that I'm very excited about. Uh, So go subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not already and give us five-star reviews on all our podcasts. We would greatly appreciate that as well uh, if you like all of the content on mazenbrew.com. So, again, thank you so much. Until next week, I am Vaughn Lozon. Stay safe out there and go blue.